0: Triple decimal, I didn't think they would go that far, but they did. Tuesday, July twelfth, two thousand twenty-two. I'm Stephen Sierski. Hope you guys are doing well. yes, triple decimal for. Uh, do we even call it? What, what's the virus? <laughs> what is the virus? Uh, Omicron BA point uh, five point two point A. I think. No, BA five point two, So it's triple decibel, one. Oh, I don't even know. So lost. Um, is this even Omicron anymore? Is Omicron COVID? What's the original virus? I have forgotten. It, this has just gone on for so long. Is this what The Stand was all about, where the, the virus in that book is an antigen and it just... It changes. It keeps on modifying. So there, there can never be an antidote to it. It just got to run its course, sort of thing. And those who survive, survive, sort of thing. Uh, anyway, Shanghai is <laughs> undergoing some lockdowns again, and uh, people aren't too happy. And you're seeing this pop up in the markets uh, all of a sudden uh, that uh, they have been cratering. Some of them, some of the uh, stocks have been crushed chinese markets i said last week we're doing quite well and that's of course uh, now reversed this week with um, a bunch of selling going on uh, so far in the uh, in the equities so uh yeah um i also see actually in a few other channels that uh, some more people are leaving some people who've been running events uh they are leaving beijing saying that uh You know, it's been tough over the last couple of years, but also these people are sort of adventurous. They want to keep on moving along sort of thing. So I guess I think this sort of um, this wave uh, has really sort of made a lot of people think about the value of staying here. Uh, People like me, I mean, I I really don't have anywhere else to go, so to speak. Like uh, returning to Canada, I've mentioned this before. I've talked at length about it before. Um, but I know there are other people who are might be on the uh, sort of um, the edge sort of thinking about it but not knowing exactly uh, And this thought sort of popped up in my mind as uh, this year is a, a unique one for me it's a it's a decade changer uh, and uh, thinking ahead 10 years you know what will have been the the best choice? what will have been the idea that really, uh, that that is suitable for the situation. Of course, we won't know until ten years later. But I think back, you know, ten years ago um, and longer, more than ten years ago, when I first left Canada, when I first left Winnipeg, and I go, you know, it was a good decision for me to lay, uh, leave. Had I had I stayed in my hometown, um, I don't think I would have been able to. I, I definitely wouldn't have been able to do the things that I did, uh, learn the things that I learned, and all those experience. And it's debatable if I would have been any richer by staying in my hometown. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, to to be honest, it's it sort of um, there was sort of a um, a pall cast, like a sort of a, a pale greyness to the idea of staying in my hometown. And it's no critique of the hometown itself, although I do have plenty of those. I'm not going to lie, but that's why I left was because. The hometown wasn't working out for me. And I look here at Beijing and I look at the people leaving and I uh, and the people who are planning to leave. And I mean, I, I kind of have to take stock. I go, okay, you know, what are these people seeing that I'm not? All right. is, it, is, is there something going on here uh, that maybe I'm unaware of? Uh, are they picking up on something that I'm blind to for any one reason? And I keep on sort of coming back to... Why I'm still here. One of the things that keeps me here is I'm studying Chinese. Um, it's and as much <laughs> I started Chinese because I started studying Chinese because I was in China, and then I I am staying in China because I am studying Chinese with. And I mentioned this yesterday. Like I really don't have any ambitions to use the, the language in any facet. To tell you the truth. Although one did creep into mind, to tell you the truth. One did sort of make itself, um, uh, it it peaked a little bit. But other than that, like, I don't plan to go back to university. I don't plan to apply for any jobs that require fluent Chinese. Uh, I I can't see that happening. Uh, And if the country were to mandate a language requirement, I I mean, although I'd probably meet it, to tell you the truth, at this point, I hope, (laughs) I hope I would meet it. Um, I don't know if I'd really care to go through the rings for it, to tell you the truth. Uh, and that being said, that being the case, it's kind of like, well, so I mean, why aren't you leaving and where would you go? And I've, I mentioned this a few times, um, staying here cause everything's set up, right? That's, it's the easiest option right now. Um, was it an easy option 10 years ago, 12 years ago, four, whenever it was, uh, when I left my hometown, it became easier because a few avenues closed themselves off. I was finishing graduate school. I was single. I wasn't in a very good job. Uh, so there's a whole bunch... Of, actually, I think I was unemployed at that point. I think I quit my job because I was just so sick of it. And so with that in mind, like there were very few avenues for me to go through anymore. A lot of them, whether... I'm not even sure if I forced them close. I think they, they sort of closed... But they were closing in response to my own attitude, in response to my own preparations. Sort of preparations like, mentally speaking, it's like, I'm planning on leaving, I'm not very interested in being here. And as a result, things are starting to shut down, and they're not opening as much as other avenues were. And so I look at things here in Beijing, I go, well, there's avenues that are still open, though. Uh, So not as much as uh, we can sort of criticize the, the closures how much we're not going out but I'm saying an avenue here has opened up where <laughs> one of them is I'm not drinking as much I'm not going to the bar as much I'm not eating like that as much I'm working out twice a day I'm eating healthier I'm in better shape than I was before and not just and I, I mentioned like is this sustainable I go well does it have to be sustainable exactly this way or does it have to be the habits formed that I can take somewhere else and is that time to take them right now or is it going to be in the future good question Uh, I also I I need to sort of touch on the whole idea like if you don't have a family or if you have a young family I see a lot of the grandparents out there with the babies with the toddlers. Because I live a luxurious life where I'm able to be out there at, at such a time when the the IEs and the grandparents are out with their toddlers. Like, why am I not working at that? It's, it's like at 10 a.m. sort of thing. Um, so I see that, and it's like that's one thing to consider. Uh, and I've, I know at least a few expats who are either leaving for family or are leaving because um, the family here has reached a point where. It would actually be better for them to shift locations for either education purposes or to, uh, to have better access to family on the other side of the family, uh, like, uh, like overseas, the expat family, rather than uh, the, uh, the 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 national Chinese family. But I value that culture, and that's something that you can't overlook, especially if you're planning a family, uh, if you're thinking ahead you a couple of years, a few years, or um, sort of even. 10 years from now what culture like which what what will be the dominant culture in your relationship and i mean if you're still in china chances are it's the chinese culture right? unless you have immigrated here or set up shop for a long time and you have um, found a, another uh, partner from the same background or a partner from china who has embraced the uh, you know the outside culture and you see this with the Italian culture Uh, there's a lot of embracement there Um, you'd also see it uh, some of the German like you 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 see the Chinese people wanting to learn German uh, Spanish uh, Italian not so much Russian (laughs) maybe up north they would do it but uh, that's also circumstance as well uh, geography Uh, but uh, the point being here that the the dominant culture in China is going to be Chinese and so, if you are uh, a mixed family, uh, expat, and uh, like a, a foreign expat, uh, a Chinese national, you know, the choice has to become: where are you going to make that um, that home, that nest for the next few years? And one thing, as an expat, uh, that I think, that I know that I've overlooked, and I wonder if uh, the families have uh, considered this as well, is just how short or how fast time can go. So with the families, and I see this because I talked to uh, um, some of these uh, families around here, some of the younger uh, expats uh, and and people like that. And you know, if they get free education for uh, junior school, like uh, for elementary and then maybe middle school, but high school, they have to start paying a bit more. It's like all of a sudden that colors your decision of where you're going to set up shop. And I know a few families who have decided to leave China because they're going, well, I don't want my kid going through this Gaokao system, this very stringent public school Chinese education system. Nor do I have, nor do I want the the burden of paying an international school fee. I mean, if you're working in a school, an international school, it's great, but if you have to pay those fees... And you're not uh, working in a mid-level management job that you're able to afford that with a partner who's also mid-level management. I mean, it's a cost you're looking at going, where else could we go? I did come up with 10 ideas of where you could go. <laughs> this, is, this is actually more of a wish list uh, than anything else. Um, and I have, I've talked about some of them before, Others I've had in mind for a while. Others I thought about revisiting and some of them are just wild dreams. I mean, so first is, uh, the first two are actually Dubai and Abu Dhabi. So that's in the Middle East. Uh, As I've called this like the retirement home for ESL teachers, because um, usually once you have a bit of experience uh, and you're still in the ESL industry, if you've gone through the gauntlet of working in the, uh, you know, the private schools, maybe some of the public schools, and you've kind of gotten more certified along the way, the Middle East sort of places value on that education and the experience. And in the Middle East, uh, there is a stereotype of teaching uh, sort of the the rich royalty, the rich royal blood, but it's not entirely accurate because there are a lot of uh, service staff immigrants or um, like other people, other expats from other parts of the world who are looking to improve their English. So you can go teach in centers like that. You can also work for some companies that um, deal with, I, mean, I guess they teach their, uh, some of the, the employees, like different corporations and things like that. Again, probably with other expats living in those two places or in that environs. France, I don't know. France would be kind of cool, but as a Canadian, it's very difficult to get a, a visa, long-term stay. So, I mean, it's kind of like, If I could stay there for a couple months, be rich enough to either work online and uh, I don't know, I don't know if I'd start smoking cigarettes to be in France, but you know, drink wine and eat cheese, Uh, but you know, travel around the country and not face the, the, the violent uprisings that they have there every now and then sort of have like the, the peaceful agrarian, uh, but like plush agrarian, not like um, begging for food agrarian type of existence in, in France. That'd be fun. That'd be nice. I mean, they have nice architecture there, nice, nice scenery. Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, fantastic city. Yes, uh, Islamic, uh, Islamic law. Uh, very open though. They're very uh, like they they don't they're not as strict as in the Middle East, but there are certain things you do have to abide by. And I remember uh, I spent actually quite a to- uh, quite a bit of time in Kuala Lumpur. The one thing, the one big thing I noticed uh, is that although they won't make a big deal if you as a foreigner are, uh, are outside drinking, all the convenience stores have all of those bottles behind paper. So you, you have to know which freezer to look in uh, because it is covered up, but uh, nice people. Um, it's open. Society as this is actually old information. To tell you the truth, five or six years already. So, uh, you know, if someone else has been there and can tell me a little bit more about how it is there now, maybe I'm wrong. But every time I've been to Malaysia, uh, have never been disappointed. I also recorded a jazz album there, <laughs> just because I was. Why not? What else do you do when you're in Kuala Lumpur for a couple months? Uh, Seoul or Busan, South Korea. I have thought about returning to South Korea before. A uh, little known trivia: I've never returned to a country I've ever lived before, uh, except for Canada. Like Canada's the only one, but that's the homeland. Uh, never returned to work or live in another place. So, uh, if I went back to South Korea, that would be a first. Uh, and there, although I know a few people who are still there, I mean it's very few. I mean the they've sort of all trickled out over the over the years, sort of things. But South Korea still seems to hold um, sort of an openness uh, that, uh, it might not be as, you know, forward momentum going, like not as fast as it was 10 years ago, but, uh, certainly they, they, they pop up and they have a presence and culture and they have, uh, they have jobs as well. And they have, uh, a very open sort of society as well, uh, very foreigner friendly in most cases, some cases you can still sort of be shuttered out because you are a foreigner uh, and not a pure blood, um, but the, that's true in a lot of these places, uh, and it's just part of the game of being an expat. Tokyo, Japan, horribly expensive, I know, uh, but Japan has always been a place that people talk about in um, like I, as forever. I mean, it's just that the culture has always enamored a lot of people. I'm not sure if I'd be too excited about learning Japanese. To tell you the truth, after spending four years in Chinese. Six years on Chinese. I'm not sure I'm ready to um, jump over to uh, start studying Japanese. Even though some of my students like to think that, oh well, I know Chinese, so I should I should be able to pick up Japanese pretty easily. I'm like, I don't know what you're. I don't think you know what you're talking about. I think you have um, nope. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> It'll help, but it actually might actually hinder you in sometimes. Uh, Montreal or Vancouver, if I did return to the homeland, those are the two cities that sort of pop up a little bit. Toronto would be an idea, but I'd, I've never felt comfortable in Toronto. Toronto are a different breed. Uh, they're a lot more business, and although they are a lot more international, um, I don't know. I've never seemed to really get along in, uh, in Toronto. They're very fast paced for no reason to tell you the truth. Uh, Montreal has more of the culture to tell you the truth, a little bit more laid back. It's cheaper, more affordable, uh, still global, but the jobs, actually, I think a lot of the Chinese companies, mobiles, uh, what do you call them? Mobile game companies, they have offices in Montreal. Montreal is a hotbed for, uh, visual effects uh, game development, some filmmaking. It used to be a film, uh, big filmmaking hub. It's not so much anymore. It lost out to Toronto, actually. Uh, but uh, yeah, Montreal is definitely a uh, an interesting city to go to. Uh, and then Vancouver. Well, I have a brother there as well. That's one. I have, actually I have quite a bit of family in Vancouver uh, at this point. But um, some other go-go environment attitude. I'm not sure if I would sort of see eye to eye with to tell you the truth especially coming from china but that being the case coming from china huge chinese expat community there so it might be an idea if you know i'm bringing along um a girlfriend wife or family from china right so a, that is one idea there uh lastly well the last couple here london just i uh, picking that out i know anyone is british like no <laughs> don't go to London horribly expensive and just every, wh- why would you move to London <laughs> um actually one of the things that has popped up before is uh, my concern about if you are in, in an interna- uh, interracial relationship um uh, wherein one partner is not white and the other partner is white or some combination therein uh, you know, you kind of have to wonder which of these countries would be the safest and the the best for a best environment to raise a family in. Uh, so that is something that I was kind of thinking about. I'm thinking like London, it shouldn't be bad. I mean, there will be pockets of racism, but overall London is a pretty international, pretty cosmopolitan city in that regard, right? Slovenia, and that is an ode out to uh, Mr... Uh, Owen, who's uh I think he's going to Slovenia. Oh goodness, I've forgotten. Uh but um why not pick somewhere other some other Eastern Europe- European country. Hungary, I don't know, because they don't seem to be supporting Ukraine as much as uh other places. Poland. Poland would be a good place to go. They have uh, good food developed part of the NATO part of the European union. Uh, so, I mean, there's, they're fortified in that regard. Uh, but, uh, getting a visa there, I think might be difficult for Canadian or for North American. So if you're British, you can probably get a, uh, a visa, a working visa for Poland a lot easier than I could. All right. That being said, those are the 10 ideas, 11, I guess, uh, with, uh, Poland included. um, been studying on Chinese, studying my Chinese, and I've been working through this HSK test prep book, Uh, and actually I spent a lot of the day reading through this interview book, Um, it was just easier to read uh, the interview rather than try to focus on studying, uh, because I was working today, Uh, but uh, so I did spend some time uh, reading in uh, real Chinese, and I picked up um, Yu Hua, Uh, this is the uh, Chronicles of a Blood Merchant. This was recommended to me by a colleague several years ago. I bought it thinking, yeah, he said it was like, yeah, you could probably read it. (laughs) Uh, Two years later, finally, I picked it up today. And lo and behold, I could actually read the thing. I'm sitting there going, "Holdy!" I actually know what the characters mean. I know what the words mean. I mean, it might take me forever to read it. There's some that I don't know, of course, but there's your progress. Two years after I bought the book. I can finally read it, um, which is great. I mean, that is encouraging, of course, uh, but by no means is it at HSK level. Uh, It's, well, I mean, obviously it's like HSK 4, HSK 5, somewhere around there, but uh, um, the test prep is a little bit different. And I'm trying to, this listening is breaking me here. Um, Still struggling, but, and the reading portion, if you haven't taken, if you have not taken an HSK test yet, and you think you're just going to walk in there at, because you got decent Chinese, you can do this. The one thing I would warn you about is the concentrated concentrated effort you will need, the focus you will need. HSK-4 is doable. It's only like an hour and a half. HSK-5 test is two hours. HSK-6 is two and a half, I think. I mean, I tried to do one of these mock tests and it was just like, it just goes on. Not only does the audio part go on, the reading section, you're looking at it going, oh, fucking all those words. Like, it's like then the wor- the one word that you don't know and you can't answer the question sort of thing. And I speak to the reading section where they give you a paragraph with some of the words blanked out. And you have to choose the right one. Uh, those can be difficult because if you don't know all four of the words, um, even though you might know under, the, if you, you might get the context, you might not know what each word means or each character means. And so you'll be like, "Ah, I just, I just don't know. This book is talking about how you can suss out which ones it won't be and then make an educated guess. But I'm going, it's coming down to understanding. Like the reading, it's like you either know the characters and um, the translation like that you can sort of follow along or you don't and you're just not going to get it. That's sort of how I understand it. Whereas with the listening portion, it's much more... You can understand it, but now can you determine what style or what environment they are in and how that situation is being understood within the Chinese context? It it requires a little bit of effort. Uh, I can say that my listening understanding is a lot better, but understanding the context and being able to always pick the right answer seems to be lacking a little bit. My main areas of focus for this next couple of days, as I realize I'm getting closer to the test uh, date, um, is basically I'll I'll get through the rest of the listening here. I wanna practice as much reading, but then I think on like Thursday, Friday, it's just gonna be write, 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 and then character review basically. There is a tip that I've heard uh, for those who are taking the IELTS test that typically, uh, I used to recommend this to my students before, is the day before your test just immerse yourself in the language just everything you do whether it's talking to your friends your mom um, reading the newspaper news everything just go full on in in a language immersion project I'm going to try it we'll see <laughs> does this actually work you know it sounds like a good idea so um, uh, does this uh, diagnosis actually uh, fit the bill sort of thing right all right, folks, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, the only, oh, okay, I have one little note here. I've been practicing some of my reading on YouTube as a lazy way because they have a, actually, there's a channel that will read the passages to you, Daily Zhongwen on YouTube. You can check that out. That will help you. It's all HSK5 material. All right, folks, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Show notes and tracks and vids up on my website. Hope you guys are doing well, studying hard, eating your vegetables, getting your runs out there, even though it's been raining for the last couple days. Well, today, I guess. Folks, take care. Be safe. We'll talk again. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.